0: All right, we've both cleared our throats. <coughs> do you need to cough? No, I don't. I might right. later, but I can't right. make any promises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. it uh, been a while since we talked to you last. Sorry about that. I had the flu, and, you know, these guys aren't going to do it themselves. We know that. So <laughs> I'm back. I'm <laughs> healthy. And we are here. Uh, it is Monday night, the 27th of January. Um, guess I'll just say up top real fast because it'd be weird not to mention it. Uh, we did plan on recording this last night and then the uh, news of Kobe Bryant's death broke and just kind of all our plans went out the window. Uh, I think we were all hooked on that for um, for a while and couldn't really think about much else and as it pertains to what we do um you know it kobe was an inspiration to most of the players that we cover in some form or another because that is he is one of the dominant players in the league that people looked up to growing up um and a lot of the mid-major coaches that we cover played with or against him and we're going to you know try to talk to a few of them in the the coming days. We want to give them a little bit of time before we do that, Um, get some of their memories about, you know, what kind of an effect Kobe had on them. So, you know, keep keep an eye out for that. Um, I I don't think it's really our place as a mid-major podcast to go too in-depth on this. I think there there are better places for you to um, get your uh, Kobe content at this time, but I did just want to touch on that. Um, Cam Newton, our delightful social editor, is here with me, and we are going to talk about um, the happenings in the mid-major world since we spoke yeah. to you last. Uh, Cam, Cam, over the weekend, you you were at a game. You had a lot of fun. Uh, tell us well, about real quick. That.
1: I did want to say something about the the Kobe stuff. Um, oh yeah, please do. Sorry. I saw a thing that Ken Palm shared on Twitter the other night uh, that was from Brett Strella, which was a, he posted a graph that shows exactly how big of an impact. Cause we talked about, you talked about how so many, you know, mid major coaches right now um, either had contact with him through playing with him or against him in the league and how so many players at the moment uh, grew up watching him and everything. And this, this whole graph that they showed was how big of an impact kobe will have on this next generation that's coming in and like the in about you know 18 years or so when we start getting all these college players who are named after him because this this graph it's crazy about 2001 um there's just this huge spike in kids named kobe with like this different variation of spelling and um i'll have to share it with you later but it's like it goes from 1996 I think like Kobe was around like 250. And then, and and I can't, I don't know what the variations are because it cuts off one of the axes. And then it shoots way up, all, way to almost about 2,700 in 2001. Um, so here in a couple of years, we're going to be seeing tons and tons of uh, players just named after him, if that's any sort of um, lesson about his impact and, and what he meant to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and you see that people named Kobe have a lot of people, uh, a lot of players named Shaq coming up now. It's the same yeah. sort of, um, s- same sort of impact. And I imagine, you know, maybe 10, 15 years from now, we'll start getting a lot of LeBrons as well. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, get Kobe's impact. I, I think it was, I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, especially at a time like this, but <laughs> I, I tweeted uh, very shortly after, um, this news broke, you know, raise your hand if you weren't a Lakers fan at all, but you still had a poster of Kobe in your room, Um, which I did growing up. And I, I think that yeah. just kind of says it all. You didn't have to be a Lakers fan. You didn't have to even really be an NBA fan, which I wasn't to uh, to admire Kobe Bryant and uh, the impact that he had on basketball. So, you know, I, I said right at the beginning, yeah. we weren't going to talk about it too much. And, and now here we are, because that's just, that well, here I go what with my,
1: my my counter to that because I when I was when I was a kid and you know, I did I cared a lot more about NBA. But by the kid.
0: way, you are still a kid. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, when I was a littler kid, um, which <laughs> when I was a littler kid, I was a big Suns fan because of Steve Nash, um, and for like a solid period of like five or six years there. Like Kobe Bryant was like the enemy to everything that my favorite team was because the the you know the Suns had so many good seasons there um, near the end of the 2000s and I, there was one year I can't remember if it was 09 where they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals and ended up losing I think in six games to uh, to the Lakers and and Kobe was just always always um, the the villain against my favorite team but looking back on it now it's just incredible. Um, what he was able to do through all those years and and you know you always love um, just getting to see him and I really wish I'd been able to cherish those performances a little bit more than I did at the time part of
0: the territory uh, of being loved is also being hated Um, and you know if you're a fan of of a rival team or a rival player that that is a a major part of it Um, and
1: yeah you always right and
0: it's not a show of disrespect at all it's it's quite the opposite if if Kobe Bryant didn't matter then you wouldn't hate him yeah exactly Um, last thing I want to say on this because it it is something that's bothered me a little bit and I think it's bothered a lot of people but it's just the nature of how these types of events are covered Um, nine people died in this uh, in this accident it wasn't just Kobe it wasn't just his daughter Um, it Gianna, and this is a tragedy for more than just the Bryant family. Um, so I do just want to mention uh, John Altabelli, Carrie and Alyssa Altabelli, Christina Mauser, Ara uh, Zabayan, who was the uh, the pilot, and Sarah Chester and Peyton Chester as well, the, the other victims. Um, and I, I hope they don't get um, kind of cast as and others along with Kobe Bryant in in this. Cause that's, I mean, that just wouldn't be fair just because of who they happen to be sharing the helicopter with. Absolutely. Um, on that note, you were at Dayton and Richmond over the weekend. If we could talk about that, was. um, you got a chance to see Dayton play up close and personal, a team that, you know, many think could be a final four team. They could be in contention for a number one seed. Um, what were your impressions and are, are is the are the Dayton Flyers as fun in person as they are on TV?
1: Yeah, so um, some quick things. University of Richmond was one of the most gorgeous campuses like I, I've been on going back through there. It's like tucked away in this like little wooded area that you mm-hmm. had to get to. And the complex where they have the Robinson Center located, it, it looks like. Like a Duke University Ivy League kind of setting, to these beautiful trees everywhere, this gorgeous brick, um, it makes everything up. And the Robin Center itself that night um, was obviously a sold out crowd for this for this game. So um, the the atmosphere in there was incredibly loud, not quite as loud as the Siegel Center. I'll probably catch some flack <laughs> for that for saying that on here, but um, it was a really really good atmosphere. Uh, I, I do hate that like Francis wasn't healthy so we didn't get to see a Richmond team with uh, one of its best scorers out there um against Dayton cuz the game you know could have turned out differently but I I'm not really sure that it that it would have I
0: mean Richmond hung tough um, you give give it that looked...
1: Yeah um for the first half it was it was a pretty good game and then Dayton came out hot right at right at the start of the second half and there was a point where Richmond found themselves in like a twenty-point okay. hole. Um, it was it was looking pretty bleak at that point, um, but things started to really pick up, and they actually closed the gap to single digits eventually. Uh, but bang bang, you know, this Dayton team has a very explosive offense, and Chris Mooney noted that after the game um, as to how that Dayton team is one of the, like the few teams he's ever seen that is able to score. In spurts, so often and so quickly, but also not have that many droughts to accompany those spurts. Um, and and all I could be struck by uh, while watching this game was a that like I'm totally convinced that O'Keeffe should should be player of the year. Um, I, I tweeted that afterwards after watching him. I, I I even had a running thing going during the game of how many highlight dugs he was going on. And let me just say, they're spectacular to watch in person. Like the videos, do not do it justice. He had an insane windmill dunk in the second half, um, which he says wasn't even his best one of the year, uh, but it was. It was pretty, pretty fantastic to see. The thing that immediately stuck in my mind was like, how in the hell is any team in the A10 going to beat Dayton? Um, I, I I tweeted out. I think St. Louis might be the only school that's going to be able to probably beat them just because of the fact that St. Louis's style of play is so um, you know different to what Dayton is. Like that St. Louis team is incredibly physical. They play at a snail's pace. Um, they have a fantastic front court. And then the way Goodwin plays is so versatile that it's, it's really hard to match up against. If only you know, St. Louis were not literally the worst free throw shooting team in the country. They are literally they, that. Yeah. Yeah, they they would have won and beaten Dayton uh, the other night. So I think they're probably the the one team that can really give Dayton a shot. Um, we'll see, though, because I don't think that they have played. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think they've played at uh, VCU yet or Rhode Island. So those are two more hostile environments that they'll have to go Correct. to. Correct.
0: They play uh, at both of those places uh, between now and
1: the end of the season. Right, right, and so, so we're going to, well, were you going to be here for one of those? No,
0: I, I am planning on coming down to uh the Davidson VCU game on the 7th. Oh, okay, okay. I couldn't remember, but um, yeah, that, that Dayton
1: at VCU game will be intense. I'm sure the Siegel Center will be an absolute madhouse like always, but especially more so during that one, but I'm still, it's hard to win every single league game and run the table but if there's ever a team to do it in the A10 it's probably the Staten team. Yeah. They're so well rounded. Um, good at basically everything. I'm I'm I don't think there's really any way to beat them besides just absolutely slowing them down in the way that, you know, St.
0: Louis tried to do. So, I had you know made that plan to go to the Davidson VCU game back when we thought Davidson would be good. Um, yeah. and if Dayton wasn't playing there in the middle of the week I would totally change my plans but unfortunately they are. But you talking about this is kind of making me think you know March 4th do I want to try to go to URI? Maybe take a day mm. off and do that when Dayton plays there that could be a lot of fun. I don't know. Have you ever been to the Ryan Center? I have. I've been once. Um they played Valpo um At 11 a.m. in the uh, ESPN tip-off marathon, I got seats on the court. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun.
1: That rules. Yeah. I I might try to – I wonder if I'll be able to do this VCU Dayton game. It's on a Tuesday night, so no, I probably won't be able to. I've got a class at like 6.30 all day. Uh, That's uh, unfortunate.
0: Yeah, so – We
1: do not condone skipping class on this podcast. Uh, No, we don't. For a really good reason.
0: Like a basketball Um, game.
1: Yes, which I'm very mad uh, about. Uh, the Richmond game, I tweeted that, and I posted on Facebook as well, that my biggest goal of the night was to get a picture of me emerging from that big spider. They have a big inflatable spider over one of their um, oh, one yeah. of the baseline tunnels. Figured you'd and be all I, over that. Dude, that thing was packed up by like halftime. I didn't even get a chance. Oh, that's bullshit. They didn't even give me, even give me a chance. They probably saw my tweet.
0: Yeah, I just packed it up real quick. They're like, get
1: this shit out of here. <laughs> yeah. We got this fucking freak. He wants to come over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what happened. So,
0: you know, everyone talks about, and for good reason, Obi Toppin um, for Dayton, you know, potential National Player of the Year candidate. But Jalen Crutcher has, he's been the A-10 uh, Player of the Week the last two weeks. Had twenty four mm-hmm. points in that game against Richmond. Hit four threes, uh, seven assists, eight rebounds. Uh, d- did you like what you saw from him as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I think he was one of the big players who helped uh, put a stop to that to that Richmond run there at the end um, that I talked about. They were going on when it seemed like you know the Spiders might get into this thing. Uh, everybody likes to call him Jalen Clutcher for a reason because he's so good in those really critical moments. And um, it's, it's kind of a, a tragedy that Obi Toppin takes up so much of the limelight that you don't get to focus on some of the other really, really good players um, who make the Staten team so complete. And, you know, as we get further on into March and they start doing more stories about the Staten team, it's very, very poised um, to be one of the, the best stories of the year. We're going to get to see that. But right now, you know, Obi Toppin's taking up all the oxygen because of how fantastic of a player he is. And so it's a little unfortunate that some some guys get kind of lost in the shuffle, but Jalen Crutcher is uh, phenomenal. Uh,
0: a- another guy who shouldn't get lost in the shuffle on, on the other side, on Richmond's side in this, is Jacob Gilliard. Played all 40 minutes, 29 points. He hit five threes himself. Um, mm-hmm. Especially with... Blake Francis being out, um, Gilliard, at five foot nine, may I add, um, is someone who is really, um, really taken off for Richmond as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I believe his numbers had kind of dipped a little bit this year, just because of um, the the scoring impact that um, you know both healthy Nick Sherrod as well as Francis um, Francis's appearances have brought about. But he's really stepped up in this, and he'll more than likely uh, end up as a first team A-10. That's what a lot of people are, are um, projecting him as right now. So he's, he's definitely made the, helped put the team on his back, really, in these past few games. Um, and he'll be a, a fantastic leader if this Richmond team is still to make a push for any sort of NCAA bid. Um,
0: so I, I guess the, the most important question I could ask you, uh, extend Mooney?
1: Oh, absolutely, it's You know, I thought I was—I thought for a second I was going to get to watch Chris Mooney get thrown out of a game. You know, That's so weird so to me,
0: watching, thinking of him freaking out like that. He's apparently
1: been like a lot, um, getting a lot more upset in games this year and emotional, especially in like conference play. And uh, I thought, like, of course, my my, my, my luck, I would go to the one game that like Chris Mooney is probably going to get thrown out of ever. I think he's had one other technical this season coming into um, Saturday night. And uh, he was, once they called that technical on him, which they called, I believe from like across the court, he started mouthing, like, are you kidding me? Um, And like screaming it about at 20 times. I, I was kind of hoping he would get thrown out just for how cool the story it would be. <laughs> like I I went to a Richmond game and saw a notorious, nice guy, Chris Mooney get thrown out.
0: That would have been an excellent story. Uh, anything else to add on that, that Dayton Richmond game? I mean, these, these are certainly two teams we'll talk more about as the year goes on, you know, for, for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah. Um, a lot of fun watching them. Um, it's going to be a real shame if they don't end up making the assembly tournament um, just by virtue of not having the right resume. Because I kind of think that they're going to be one of those teams who, when we get to the end of the year, um, might have a similar situation to like Belmont from last year, where they don't, they didn't really get as many of those really quality wins boost their resume, but because of how much the metrics like them and everything like that, which they do still have that really good win over Wisconsin that keeps getting better. Um, But because of how much like the metrics like them and everything like that, you could make an argument um, for them to get in the NCAA tournament. And if you let them in, they'd probably prove you right much in the same way that Belmont team did last year. Um, That was, that was my big analogy to it. Uh, But You know, I still hold out hope for um, even if they don't do it this year, next year will probably be even better. I mean, this is the first season. I can't remember in how many years that Richmond hasn't had a single senior on their team.
0: Uh, Yeah, pretty much every major contributor is a junior this year. Yeah. So I figure if everybody comes back, you know, watch out. Yeah, which they probably
1: all will. Like, I can't imagine a scenario short of maybe Mooney getting fired, which
0: hopefully that doesn't happen. Well that um, might be a good reason to not fire him.
1: Yeah. Knowing like what's
0: it, coming in or what's coming up, I mean.
1: Yeah, like next year, all of these guys, Golden, Francis, Gilliard, Sherrod, KO, all all seniors.
0: Right. So yeah, the uh the Spiders might be the uh the best team in Richmond next year. Or this year. Or this year. Oh, you're gonna get some tweets. Well we'll find out tomorrow night they
1: play vcu at the legal center they're at
0: vcu um so moving on from the a10 there was a really weird announcement last week um that it's funny we didn't even end up writing about it on our site because i think i sat down to try to write about it three or four times and like couldn't figure out a way to do it That would give you something new, but also wouldn't be, like, speculating wildly? It's so confusing. (laughs) I haven't seen a single person who
1: understood it. Everyone who tweeted about it was talking about how, like, arcane and just absurd it was to, like, even try reading it.
0: And if you don't know what we're talking about, the A-Sun, which, oddly enough, a while ago publicly said it would explore expansion... Uh, took it about 35 steps further uh, by posting a press release last week. And I want, I'm just going to read from it directly. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read from it directly because I don't know how else to describe it. Um, the ASON announced on Wednesday afternoon that the league membership has committed to full exploration of multiple expansion opportunities. In one of the future scenarios, the current ASUN members would partner with expansion members to form a new D1 multi-sport conference. The ASUN would collaborate with the CCSA, which is the Coastal Collegiate Sports Association. That, by the way, is a conference, I believe, that mainly sponsors swimming and diving. (laughs) Um, And that would form two different conferences. Now, what would happen is... The a son, as we know, it would expand to 20 teams, <laughs> 10 of those teams would split off those 10 teams being the seven current a son schools that will have been together for eight years. So that's the a son as it is now, minus Liberty, uh, North Alabama and incoming, uh, Bellarmine. Am I pronouncing that yeah, right? Bellarmine. That's how you say it, right? Yeah. Bellarmine. Um, those seven schools plus three more and they would become the united athletic conference and the remaining 10 schools which would include liberty north alabama and bellarmine would become the a Sun. there is no word on who these other schools would be um looking at ccsa membership you know you could speculate it might be some schools that share um, that share membership there that might have interest in it. Um, <laughs> some of those schools might be. Uh, let's see, look, uh, Howard uh, is one of the Mount Saint Mary's. Um, UNC Asheville.
1: It sounds like a good home. Campbell it sounds like a good home for UConn football.
0: Uh, maybe UConn football. Who knows? Um. And presumably um a number of schools would be taken uh from the current division two ranks. So Division One, which is already expanding at a crazy rate right now, with a whole bunch of new schools either transitioning now or beginning their transition soon, uh that number would increase significantly. Um it, it's such a weird situation. Um and from what I understand, the no, nobody really knows exactly what's happening here. Um, the sort of uh, belief around the A-Sun right now is that this is in s- such early stages that it's not even worth speculating on teams <laughs> at this point that this is so far off from actually happening. Um, So it might not even happen at all. But regardless, this is college realignment talk will always surprise you. Um, In terms of magnitude, this isn't the biggest shock by any stretch. uh, But in terms of just how weird it is, uh, this is one of the stranger things.
1: Yeah. So what, what I guess is kind of confusing me, too, is like, so this new conference, when they split off, is the is Asun just like losing control of all of them, or is it like an umbrella of like the Asun?
0: It this would be, um. <sighs> see now, now I'm like confusing myself here because I have to remember which one, which conference is going to be right. which, um. And I'd like to try one of these conferences will be the ASUN. The other will be, I guess you would call it the UAC. Mm-hmm. Um. OK, so sorry. Here, here we go. Uh, the, the chronological steps in this plan. ASUN conference expands to 20 members by June 2023. ASUN then transfers the rights to the ASUN name and marks to the CCSA. Oh, okay. The ASUN 7 that we talked about would then join the CCSA. The CCSA would adopt the ASUN name, and then the remaining ASUN members would become the my, UAC. My question
1: is, what is the fucking point of all this? I I it do seems not know. So insane, like, so so like convoluted. I, I can't. Oh
0: I, I I would understand this more if the ASUN had. More schools like NJIT, which are like really out of sorts geographically with the rest of the league. And by splitting it in two, you kind of got you ended up with two conferences that make more sense together. I don't know if that would be the case here. Um, I guess, you know, partly depend on who else joins Um, the kind of FAQ. that. Um, that the conference released had a, a question that was <laughs> like, basically why, why is this happening? <laughs> and the answer they gave was very general, which is like, we're all, you know, the A-Sun is committed towards being as competitive as possible in, in all sports and doing what's best for its members and blah, blah, blah. Like, Sure this is still incredibly weird to me and I don't know how (laughs) this makes it more competitive because also presumably you're going to be taking a number of division two schools and bringing them up to to division one. So you have to have a lot of confidence that those schools are going to be able to be competitive quickly and that they're willing to put the necessary money into their athletics programs to do so. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just weird.
1: First of all, you mentioned the FAQ. That was maybe the worst part of this was the release was so hard to comprehend because it wasn't written like there wasn't even like an introductory paragraph or anything like that. It just jumped straight into like a, like a FAQ thing that you would read on like some Walmart.com like review for, for like an electronics product because it makes no sense to even like try and digest that way. There's no explanation of this. They just instantly start with, like, here's what happens. Well, what if this happens? And like, there's no basis to even, like, start from, um, to even begin processing and digesting what's going on. Yeah, and when you're talking about, like, teams that they like, can maybe expand to, like, um, does, doesn't does UND have, like, a pretty good uh, basketball team? I'm not completely sure about, um, like, some of the more prominent, like,
0: I guess that's a question. I I thought UMD was pretty
1: good. Like that might be a team worth looking at. Um, I know, but
0: they're also that's like out of their out of their footprint, right? I'm
1: thinking Bellarmine. Bellarmine's in Louisville.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: I mean, if you're going to split off and send all these new teams um, to to one area, a conference with like a team in Indianapolis and Louisville, you know, North Alabama. I, know, but, I mean, they could make a little more geographic sense that way. Um, but also, yeah. like, who knows? I mean, this is just going to be like a hodgepodge, probably.
0: <laughs> you know what it kind of reminded me of the first time I went through it?
1: Like a whack? Uh, like an old-time whack?
0: <laughs> kind of like a whack or a Great West, for sure. Um, it It made me think of, like, a couple of years ago when... UConn was just in the depths of the ACC with uh, the AAC, sorry, with no hope of of a bright future. (laughs) And, you know, just seeming like the program would never be relevant again uh, in any sport. And what we would do, we being me and other UConn fans, is sit down with like an Excel spreadsheet and realign college basketball and like come up with all of these crazy scenarios where well what if this insane thing happens and then it leads to all of these dominoes falling and then we could end up in this conference like it it was like that level of galaxy brain thinking but in an official press release right
1: <laughs> and one of the other like funny or like i guess kind of ironic funny things about all this stuff is um here you've got liberty who just joined this conference from the big South. And I forget what their exact rationale was um, for even like leaving the big South. I guess they tried to say like maybe better competition, but I, I think that's a little um, debatable, but they're going to get tossed to the wayside (laughs) when this whole thing comes around. Oh yeah.
0: They're getting completely screwed in this. If this happens. Yeah. Unless the new schools they take are really good, but I don't know how that would happen,
1: which seems like also the A son if the A son is doing this in order to stay competitive, it seems idiotic to like basically kick out your best competitor from like the rest of all of the other like main schools um,
0: i don't know yeah uh, nobody knows what's going on it it's, yeah, it's it won't, it won't even happen until like twenty twenty seven who cares <laughs> It might not even happen then. Yeah, let's, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, by that point, uh, basketball might have just been obliterated. Who knows? There's no, there's no such yeah. thing anymore. Yeah. Who, um, who knows? They finally let they finally let the players players get paid, and as a result, it just collapsed college sports as we know it. Mark Emmert was right um, the whole time. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and we're sitting here doing a like a, a podcast on college basketball free agency. <laughs> and how you know the uh, national player of the year has a full no trade clause <laughs> w-
1: wichita yeah. state has become a powerhouse yeah. thanks to the coke brother money
0: yeah <laughs> um so we'll t- talk a little bit more about what's happening around college basketball in just a second but uh first we owe you a delightful ad break Welcome back to the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. Russ Steinberg, Cam Newton here. Uh, We talked a little bit about the A-10, talked a little bit about the craziness in the A-Sun. If you have been on our site in the last couple of days and you have seen our rankings this week, you'll know that a conference where maybe some other interesting things are happening or a couple of those conferences. We'll talk about them both right now. Uh, but the first one is conference USA where Louisiana tech uh, is um, kind of staying strong at uh, 15 and five overall in the first place in that conference, North Texas and Western Kentucky um, both playing really good basketball right now as well. And, and Cam, you and I were talking right before, uh, we got on here. We had kind of abandoned Western Kentucky. We had left them for dead when they were, you know, nine and six and they had lost Charles yeah. Bassey. And we kind of just assumed that was the end of it, but uh, maybe not. Well, fortunately
1: not. for them, we're idiots. So yeah, That's <laughs> so right. we did not anticipate how good Tavion Hollingsworth is, I guess, um, since I, I can't remember exactly what day um, or how long Bassey's been out now um, because we just kind of, wrote them off after that and stopped. I know I've kind of stopped paying attention to them since then. And I looked up the other night when I'm doing my rankings and Western Kentucky is seven and one in conference play. They're the only team so far that's beaten North Texas. Um, they just had back-to-back games this week against Marshall, which was very strange um, to see that on the schedule. But Tavian Hollingsworth has been their leading scorer in the past six games. Um, he has stepped up immensely, and he's doing it all. He's led the team in assists a couple of these times, um, rebounds. He is basically just a complete workhorse right now, doing absolutely everything for them since bassie has gone. And if this Western Kentucky team ends up making the NCAA tournament, which they very well could, um, considering how you know competitive and how wide open this league has become, it would be not only – just a, an incredible story for for um, how this team was able to regroup after such a devastating injury. But also like a little ironic, I guess, in that all these years that he's been there in the past few seasons, Rick Stansberry's had these talented players, or almost had them in like the case of Mitchell Robinson, and <laughs> they haven't been able to ever produce with them. And the one year he finally gets uh, one of these talented players, who is able to actually see the court um, and goes down, and he's not there the rest of the season? That's the year they end up making the NCAA tournament. I mean, it, it's going to be a really fascinating storyline to watch, especially once we get into flex play and they start having to face off against um, you know the North Texas and the Louisiana Techs of the world
0: yeah but by the way, because I know we have a lot of followers who are North Texas fans, I should correct myself. Louisiana Tech is not in first place in c u s a It is North Texas at mm-hmm. eight and one overall um they did crack our rankings this week. They haven't lost since January second when they lost at Western Kentucky of all places uh in the meantime they've beaten La Tech and they've beaten up on you know kind of the second and third tiers of that league they have. You know, two guys who, at least this season, have been among the best players in CUSA uh, Umboja Gibson and Javion Hamlet. Um, Hamlet himself has been particularly impressive, um, at least by Ken Palm. Game MVP, five out of the last six times out, scored 20 plus points in three of those games. Um, Just really impressive, had a couple of 10 assist games. As well, um, talk, you know, the, the talk at, at the beginning of the year, I think. Um, was that you want know, to talk about great guards in this conference? Javon Jackson is where it starts. But UTSA has done nothing even in conference. Mm-hmm. They're four and four. Uh, maybe you got to be looking at North Texas. They are on an absolute roll right now. They've only got five games left before flex play and they're favored to win every single one of them that uh, this might be uh, the team to beat in CUSA right yeah, now. I don't it'd know. It would
1: be pretty interesting because the past few years, uh, we always have a lot of North Texas fans chirping in our mentions about how we don't respect them. I can't remember if it was last season uh, where they started out, and I can't remember if it was last season or maybe the season before where um, yeah, where they were 16-1. It and was last one. season.
0: They and and were 16-1. And and it, it was like
1: Santa Clara levels. Santa Clara this year. Levels actually, it might have been better <laughs> even than Santa Clara's schedule this year. Honestly,
0: they uh, I've got their schedule up from last year right now, and it includes three non-D ones. <laughs> UTR includes, is their best non-con uh, one, two, game that they won. Three, four, five games against Ken Palm three hundred or worse. So it was yeah, a doo doo complete schedule.
1: garbage. And uh, everybody's like, "Oh, you got to rank them. You got to rank them. They're sixteen and one." Blah blah blah. Uh, of course, I didn't rank them. I, I can't remember if everybody else did or not. I'm assuming not. And yeah. you the wise one so. yeah and then okay. later you know they ended the uh, conference play with i think like seven straight losses or something like that um not the best year but you know this is uh this is quite a quite a turnaround since then um i was not paying attention to them at the beginning of the year because they did they played a much tougher schedule this year um and perhaps that's prepared them better for conference play um i mean they they really went through the ringer in, in uh Don Con and, And, you know, they came up just short against VCU. I remember we were watching that game early in the season because here we thought we were worried about VCU because, oh, my God, they're struggling so much against this North Texas team that uh, did Piddly Squat last year. And now we can look back on that and say, well, God, that was kind of like the first glimpse at how good this North Texas team might actually be. I mean, um, I totally forgot about how they almost beat Oklahoma as well earlier in the season. So they, they've certainly been tested by a lot of those really tough games. And um, that's probably going to give them a big boost, especially because I personally am just still kind of ranking Louisiana tech as like legacy is like the wrong word of it, but it seems like I'm just doing it because this seems right. And there's nothing to kind of disprove, but I think they're like a paper tiger at this point.
0: It's like, it's kind of how I, how I've, I think how I feel with right state where I I'm ranking them because I've had them ranked and they haven't really done anything to not to mm-hmm. unearn that yet. I'm still not really yeah. sure what they're all about. Yeah. Cause I mean,
1: they had that good win against Mississippi um, state, but that was a Mississippi state team that didn't even have Nick Weatherspoon. Um, and you know, since then I their best, yeah, I mean what their best they win done is against UTEP. Otherwise, and we kind of have our own thoughts about UTEP. But I, I don't understand why the computers yeah. are so oh. high on Louisiana Tech. I, I just, I just don't get
0: it. Well, you know what though, they do have an interesting game coming up Thursday against Charlotte. Um, Charlotte has been kind of surprising, six and two um, in CUSA. I, I know their wins haven't been overly impressive either. But I feel like we're saying that about a lot of teams, and it just makes me feel like the upper tier of CUSA has kind of separated itself from the rest, the upper tier being North Texas, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, and Charlotte. Like They might not all be great teams, but I think those are the four that are going to be Mm -hmm. in contention for that CUSA bid uh, to the NCAA tournament. They will probably be the four that end up playing each other in flex play. Uh, which is coming up soon. And I think yeah. that's going to be really fun to watch uh, headed down the stretch in the last couple of weeks of the season. I don't think this is going to be a year. Actually, I know this isn't going to be a year where flex play, you know, will result in giving yeah. the conference yeah. a second tournament bid. I don't think that's reasonable, um, but it could be a year where say, you know, let's say North Texas wins the CUSA tournament. Maybe it, they get bumped up a seed line with an extra win over Western Kentucky or something, or maybe it helps in an IT resume. And just from a sheer level of
1: competition standpoint, you're always going to be playing a lot better. If you're facing off against this team, Um, I'm not sure what kind of good going into the NCAA tournament and how much preparation that's going to be. If you're over here beating rice by uh, 40 points in February.
0: But yeah. So, you know, the conference USA, it's something fun to keep an eye on. Um, Another conference, one that we talk a lot about on this podcast, um, and that just every year seems to give us a different team or a different storyline that we weren't expecting. Uh, The SOCON this season is fantastic, and it's not as great at the very top as it was last year with Wofford, obviously being a seven seed and UNC Greensboro. Furman, ETSU, all kind of just out of the field.
1: UNC Greensboro getting screwed by the evil Dana Altman.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, But ETSU, Furman, and Greensboro are all top 75 teams. Um, Wofford has fallen off a little bit. They're still solid. And Western Carolina has kind of come in out of nowhere to be one of the more intriguing teams, um, I, I, I think it'd be too much to say in, in major college basketball, but one of the more intriguing teams um, that is off of our usual radar. Um, they are rated far and away as the best offense in the SOCON, um, ranked ninth in the country in effective field goal percentage, 11th in three-point percentage. Um, th- this is a team that scores a lot of points. Um, they. Play up tempo. They have probably this is the most important part. Uh, they they have a player who loves us in <laughs> Carlos Dotson our center, um, and, and really that's that's the most important thing. And we love him. against Wofford. We love him. Gets Wofford. He had thirteen and twelve. Uh, we could ignore the six turnovers. Um, shooting seventy one percent from the field, and so can play. I mean, West Western Carolina is a fun team. And maybe a team that could spoil some postseason um, hopes for one of one of the top three schools of Furman ETSU and Greensboro. That's maybe even if the SoCon isn't quite as good this year as it was last year, maybe it's a little more dangerous. Yeah, that,
1: that's what um, I think The the big edge that they've got going in is what you mentioned is Carlos Dotson there, because, um, you know, they've got they got Mason Faulkner, who is providing um, one of the best all around performances. Uh, in in this season in SoCon play. I mean, you know, this this league always produces a lot of really fun players. And um, at the top here, you've got Isaiah Miller with UNC Greensboro, who's more than likely the, um, you know, the the favorite kind of to win uh, player of the year. But Carlos Dotson is so unique in that um, there aren't a lot of players in the SoCon who can really match up with him that well because he is a, a, a big, strong guy. Um, and and there's and in the post in SOCOM play, I don't really know of a lot of dudes who can really match up with them as well. Um, of course, you know Western Carolina is sporting this five and three record in conference play at the moment, um, which is which is nice, but they haven't really played um, and beaten any good teams. I know they got destroyed by East Tennessee State. They hung close with Furman. Um, they had a really bad loss to Mercer. Uh, but they beat Wofford the other night, like you said. So it's kind of like a hit-or-miss thing with them right now, and they're kind of like the chaos team at this point is what I'm going to refer to them as because they have clearly the potential to beat some of the better teams in this conference, Um, but then they also have the potential to lose really big because that defense is atrocious. So,
0: Yeah, but who needs defense when you have good offense?
1: That's true. We'll see more on this. We'll look at... uh, the opposite, which is Tony Bennett at Virginia, and how it's the good of a season they're having.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tony Bennett that's, retire that's time. Speaking of people who should retire, Bob McKillop. <laughs> Ooh, I was hoping you wouldn't say Bob McKillop. He, has he is to go. a treasure. What? Well, because Davidson's Absolutely. having a bad year. <laughs> hey, they've okay. won three in a row, including a wins over St. Louis and George Mason. Ooh. All right, maybe they've turned it around. (laughs) We'll see. You know, when we're at that VCU game, you're going to the VCU game too, right? Against Davidson? What day is that again? That's Friday the 7th. Do you know what time it's at? It is at 7 p.m. Okay, then I could go, yeah. All right, good. So when we're we're, we're watching that game together, you'll see. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe not. I'll see VCU. Whatever
1: absolutely just torch uh that awful that trash davidson team
0: and you know what they need to because the a10 can't be a one bid league this year that's going to be really depressing dude i i am determined to make sure that does not happen (laughs) what's that mean (laughs) i don't know I don't know. I have no power in that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am rooting very hard for that not to happen. <laughs> so um,
1: some other like tidbits about some teams, I guess, that are impressive. Were, were there any teams, I think when you were doing your rankings this week, um, you so badly wanted to put on there but ended up losing out to some of those like North Texases and stuff that ended up sneaking onto the ballots? Because I had a few.
0: Um. There were a few that I've like kind of been keeping my eye on and haven't pulled the trigger on uh, just yet, and I'm just looking at, um, just looking at it right now. I can't remember off the top of my head who is Winthrop one of yours. Um,
1: Winthrop was I. If you remember, I put Colgate twenty fourth, and um, oh, I was yeah. going to put either Colgate or Winthrop in one of those two teams. I ended up going with Colgate. Um, but Winthrop has looked really, really good. They haven't lost since December 14th. Uh, the big South is really bad. Very, very bad. Um, yeah, they,
0: they play in the trash conference, but they also have a win at St. Mary's.
1: That's, that's true. And so, okay. Now that I'm looking at it, the big South is the 30th ranked conference on Ken Palm. Um, the SWAC and MEAC are the only two lower than the Big South. And so it's very conceivable that this Winthrop team um, could come out of conference play with one at most two losses because um, they've already gotten the toughest team out of the way, which is a road game against Radford. And so we could be looking at conceivably um, a Winthrop team that comes out of here with you know, 24, 23 wins and I, I mean I don't know how much that will really suffice For anything because their uh, Resume after uh, November 29th has been Bad uh, But they're a team to watch They're still hot so I almost drank them Just for the sheer fact that It's hard to rack up a lot of wins like that um,
0: And guess what UMass isn't doing so well so good job yeah, Pat Spart- Kelsey <laughs>
1: I don't know if that's really um, if that's really a UMass situation or I, I don't know, but um, yeah, he's probably he's probably enjoying where he's at right now. Just considering this, I could see him getting out of there pretty soon. But um, this is kind of what he. I
0: don't know. Well, that's what I to say before. that he kind of
1: needed this because after he you know danced around with UMass, um, we kind of said last year it's like oh god his stock. It's kind of fallen. Um, And he probably should have taken that when he had the chance. And they started off this year, four and seven. And we're like, uh oh. You know, they had that St. Mary's win. And here they are. Uh, But I ended up going with Colgate.
0: Is Colgate even good?
1: I think so. I mean, they've got that Cincinnati win. I that's true. They did play a few good teams in non con that they got.
0: Yeah, they also lost to Lafayette and yeah, Niagara. Yeah,
1: their non-con schedule, though. I mean, they ended up kind of getting blasted by a lot of those teams um, that they played. But I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt because they did have a uh, pretty good 2019. And um, they've got a lot of good players. They'll probably end up racking up a lot. Of... It's a similar situation, I guess, to Winthrop in that there's just not a lot of competition. And so they'll probably breeze through i guess...
0: I guess I should brush up on Colgate. Okay. Oh.
1: <laughs> uh, I quit.
0: I could insert a laugh track like right there. The the Geticus Colgate and toothpaste you know, brush up. Oh, thank God you dropped off. I just thought I was talking into the void. Oh, this is perfect. So if you're listening, uh, Cam's audio cut out presumably right as I told a really bad joke. So now I'm just going to talk here and wait for him to come back. Um and so this is going to be actually really funny and I hope that when I go back to edit this I can include this whole thing. Um Cam is is typing. Okay. I think I'm back. Okay, he's back now. Uh, did you did you cut off right as I told the really not funny joke leaving that huge gaping <laughs> silence? Yeah,
1: I thought that it just was dead air for a second. Cause I said something like, uh, I quit and there was just nothing. And I was like, Oh wow. Was he offended or like, surely it was bad.
0: That's okay. I, I talked through the whole thing. So we're just going to leave it all like uncut. <laughs> it's going to be really funny. Incredible. All right. Uh, any, anything else you wanted to touch on? We're already at three. 53 wow, minutes that's
1: a, here. This is a big one. Um, oh man i'm trying to rack my brain real quick um before we before we go um that really funny boise state win the other night we haven't potted since that happened that's just hilarious
0: and we haven't potted since a lot happened but
1: yeah yeah (laughs) the last (laughs) yeah but uh they beat yeah, the last time we podcasted, Utah State still had an at large bid locked up. So
0: Oof. RIP. <laughs> yeah, so hey, they got back on track. They beat Colorado State the other night.
1: Yeah, I mean what's surely they're not in position anymore, right? I mean
0: No. Yeah,
1: they're screwed. No. I, but I did, think Did, did you see the bracket matrix today? No. It has and I don't know how updated it is. Um but right now. It has Rhode Island in the first four out and then Richmond next Ooh, four okay, out. yeah, okay, so Rhode Island could sneak in a bit work
0: with that yeah.
1: here and we could end up having to you know at least another bid um, potentially you I told know you Rick-
0: I'd make it happen <laughs> that has nothing to do with you. I beg to differ
1: <laughs> This is magical northeastern powers. All right.
0: We we need to get off here. All right. Thank you everybody for listening to the Mid Major Badness Podcast for Cam Newton. I'm Russ Steinberg. Hopefully it'll be like less than a month before we talk to you again. Have a good one. No home. promises. Yeah, no promises.